Welcome to Vancouver Current Worldwide. Today, we're going to touch upon a number of subjects related to vaccines, from vaccine passports to vaccine nationalism. We're also going to discuss how this is potentially address rehearsal for the very real threat of a global food supply disruption event. You've heard of vaccine nationalism. We're going to discuss food nationalism. Joining me from Calgary, Alberta, Spencer, backed by popular demand. I might add, all three fans were asking about you, Spencer. So <laughs> welcome back on the show. How are you doing? I'm good, Ray. Thanks again for uh, having me back. Uh, uh, shout out to our huge fan base. Much appreciated. Uh, definitely a pleasure to be here today. That's great. You know, vaccine nationalism, for those who don't know, it's the practice of tackling the global pandemic with a nationalistic response when vaccines are in short supply. So basically, the state jumps in to stop vaccine producers and pharmaceutical companies on its territory from exporting vaccines to countries that counted on signed contracts and global supply chain trust. Spencer, have we learned anything from uh, COVID relating to vaccine nationalism? Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. It's not just us. I think every nation on the planet has learned that and a push comes to shove situation, governments are going to do what's in the best interest of their citizens first, and then uh, deal with the ramifications of uh, violating agreements with pharmaceuticals or um, vaccine producers after. But they're going to take care of their own first. Yeah, one can hardly blame governments for doing what they're supposed to do. I think it's a wake-up call is what it is. I think uh, for us, uh, just specific to Canada, we're going to have to uh, bring vaccine production back in-house. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you have to have a vaccine producer in every province, but we should have, uh, we should be better prepared. We should have a, a fail-safe plan that sees um, in the light of another pandemic that we could produce in a short-term, uh, reasonable amount of time, tool up specific industry, to get vaccine production that could take care of the citizens inside Canada and then start selling to the rest of the world. I agree 100%. We need to be prepared. In Canada, we stopped producing vaccines years ago because it was cheaper to import them. Um, look what happened with all the masks, PPE, personal protective equipment, and ventilators. Exports curbs is what happened as everyone scrambled to get supplied and or retool. At one point, even asthma inhalers were difficult to get. We're not talking about toilet paper here. Now we've seen what happens with vaccines. Yeah, this isn't just a wake-up call. I think it's a, a dress rehearsal for uh, the really dangerous threats uh, lurking on the horizon. Do you foresee any other potential? Yep, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what, what, what threats are you making reference to there, right? Like, um, this, one's, this one's a fairly substantial threat here. If I'm the government... And I'm looking at a typical global threat assessment chart. You can find these on the internet. Like uh, you can type in, for example, 2021 global risks outlook. And you basically see a chart. And on that chart, you see every kind of threat. And in the chart, you have like basically likelihood and impact. Likelihood on the bottom part. Uh, so the, the x-axis, impact on the y-axis. Uh, you see in, in the charts, you see all kinds of things like interstate conflict, um, involuntary migration, social cohesion erosion, cybersecurity failure, digital inequality, state collapse, weapons of mass disruption, uh, destruction, infectious disease. Anyways, 
when you look at these charts, the top right corner, basically, uh, which is most likely to happen and biggest impact are two things. Uh, one is infectious diseases, which is what we've just seen. Something like COVID or worse comes along and look what it's done. It's just disrupted everything and just uh, created havoc and death and, and, uh, and major economic pain. And the other one in there is climate action failure. Climate action failure is actually more of a likelihood than infectious disease, and it has just the same amount of uh, disruptive uh, impact. So what does that mean, climate action failure for you and me here in Canada? Well, to me, it means that basically with climate change, we know that the countries most affected by climate change are going to be the ones on, along the equator, that if a drought happens, related to climate change in a major food growing region of the world, then we're going to see food nationalism. And so I think we need to be prepared for that, not just medicines, not just vaccines, not just PPEs, but we need to do something or at least be conscious and be prepared for possible food uh, supply disruptions. Okay. Um, do you see those, do you see that food supply disruption um, are you looking more globally, Ray? Or are you talking about inside Canada? Well, this is the thing, right? So Canada is a very food secure country. We're ranked number eight. United States is ranked number third. Singapore and Ireland are number one and two, respectively. China is 35th. And then you get to Venezuela and Yemen and Burundi at, at, the, at the bottom of the list. There's no food shortage in the world. Every kind of famine and hunger that happens today has to do with uh, logistics and war. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. yeah. So it's all human, right? But what I'm talking about is if there's some sort of uh, some sort of event like a drought that's not related to our to our human stupidity, but rather to natural phenomenon, right? That would, that okay. would create that. At which point. Here in Canada, we, we produce a lot of uh, pasta and lentils and all those kind of things. But, but all our greens, fruit and veggies, they, they're all imported. In, uh, in Alberta, you get them from, uh, from where? You get them all from uh, Mexico and California, right? Well, ex except for what we get from the, uh, the Okanagan. But yeah, I agree with yeah, you there. Okay. Right? But here in BC, well, we, we grow a lot of food here in BC, but it's also coming from the States and then out back East, it's a lot of it comes from Florida and, uh, and, and Mexico also. So. We, we've got a lot of the staples we can produce, and what we we knew, I think we just need to be prepared. You know what? Even BC's premier Horgan, I saw him the other day on TV uh, doing one of those COVID updates, and he hit it right on the ball. He said, um, "You know what? We 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 need to prepare for, among other things, food security." So fortunately, the government, federal and provincial, are starting to take it seriously and invest in um, agricultural technology, right? To to enforce our food security. How do we prepare for that? I'm not sure. I don't really have the answer. Greenhouses? I don't know. Vertical farming? Not sure. Just more technology? Usually the answer. Even a short period ago, a short period of time ago, I would have really been challenging you on this, right, with regards to do we have the technology? Can we actually grow it? I mean, um, here in Alberta, specific to Alberta, uh, we do get a ton of sunshine. We do have um, we do have some good agricultural land that can be used, but our growing season is so finite. Um, but um, <laughs> we've all seen the success that our uh, 
marijuana uh, productions have had out here and the massive greenhouses that they've been able to um, it's the technology. It, it, the technology's there. So if we can if we can grow weed at that extent, then there's other <laughs> cash crops. I'm sure we can grow and consume um, in equal proportions out here and take care of that. Um, start growing cactuses. Yeah. <laughs> start growing. <laughs> so what else have we learned from COVID? You know, has uh, has China won? I mean, they don't have anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. You know, I'd like, actually, this would be a good opportunity. I'd like to take an opportunity to uh, anyone listening that's a frontline worker or a health care worker, thank you. But I'd also like to apologize to you as well and to the elderly and to the fragile. I'm very sorry that some of our fellow citizens just don't get it or believe that this is no worse than the flu. I think... The people who espouse those views that, you know, it's just, uh, it's no worse than the flu. What, what is the, what is wrong with, with, what is wrong? What have we failed? Has our education system failed? It, it, to me, I see it as a lack of critical thinking skills. And these were just people who had really bad, and I mean bad grades in school. I, th- <laughs> I think you're being terribly generous, Ray. Um, oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more. Uh, and they're vocal cynical. and loud, by the way. I don't remember ever seeing a flu outbreak in a senior citizen home resulting in 20, 25% casualties in said homes. I don't remember a flu outbreak of those. I think we're, we're both on board is you have the right to disagree up until such time that you put people at danger and you put people's lives in, and at risk. And I think we've reached that point, right? So now, now we're really going to have to address that, right? Because actions said by uh, these few in the right environment in a closed space or or in close contacts with others and they're going to pass along not only um, their ignorance but they're going to pass along said virus especially given what's going on with the the various strains which are coming about Um, i see more of a a cave kind of situation than wearing um, animal skins and running around with clubs. Like <laughs> I just don't think a certain portion of that of uh, of their brains actually evolved. That's just and it transcends ignorance and and takes it to a much darker place. Anyway, I don't want to I don't want to paint any more dire a picture than that. So <laughs> well, what about some of the uh, conspiracy uh, theories floating around? Uh, a lot of people believe in them. Do you give them any credence? I mean the. <sighs> I was going to say the the first one. Let's go through some of these. Sure, the first sure. one, yeah, everybody's heard it. That China did it to screw over the West. No, Personally, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah, it makes no sense, right? They were already yeah. on the ascent. They were already doing really well. Why would they want to mess around with their? Uh, I mean, we buy everything from China. Why would they want to mess up a good thing? They were yeah, on their way I, up. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy into that one at all. That's like. Um, I, I'm renting a house and I go to the person that's um, renting the house and I inject them with Ebola. No, I'm yeah, yeah, get yeah, sick yeah, and exactly. die. No, you know, especially yeah. when you look at what, how much <laughs> of the United States is owned by China. They, you just wouldn't do that to your number one customer. You wouldn't do that. Right. No, I, yeah. I, for me, for my, no, I don't give it any, um, I don't give that any credence at all. So throw that one right. out the door. Next, what do you got? Next would be, um, it's, it's one that actually you might not have heard of, but it. it's floating around in China. It's in, on all the, uh, the social uh, media platforms in China. And it's, uh, so they've got their own conspiracy theories too, of course. They say 
the theory that's running around, of course, is they say that uh, uh, the United States did it. There was like a, uh, I don't know if you heard about it, there was like a military training that like these like military games. Uh, and they were saying that basically, yeah, the Chinese, that the U.S. soldiers brought it over because those games happened in Wuhan, like just like uh, okay. maybe a month or two, a couple of months before, a few months before uh, the actual outbreak. So there's that one, which again just strikes me as just ridiculous. Why would, why would, now, why would the U.S. wreck their their own economy? Right? Oh no, no, I don't. Unless yeah, all they would have soldiers... thought it out, right? They would have thought. Yeah, it out. they wouldn't do that. No. I, is there two things, Ray? First. That's shocking that something would actually be going around in China and the rest of the world wouldn't hear about. I can't see that ever happening. And B, um, unless all of said uh, soldiers in those war game scenario that you were talking about happen to have orange hair with really despicable comb overs. No, I don't <laughs> I don't buy into that at all. Sorry. No, that was another. So throw that one. Uh, you know, hear that one crashing as it goes through the window next. I'm not buying that. What do you got? All right. Next? Number three, a uh, very popular one, an accident. It was an accident. It kind of uh, it escaped out of a, a lab in Wuhan. Um, it was given a lot of consideration because uh, it was a story that was published in the Washington Post. I did hear um, that. I did read yeah. that portion of that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And the guy who basically, you know, kind of like when people started paying attention, it was a former Israeli lieutenant colonel, um, one Danny Shoham. He, the guy has a PhD in medical microbiology, um, and he was an intelligence analysis in biowarfare. So when a guy like that says that, yeah, it looks like it was like manufactured and... Uh, I don't think he said it was done on purpose or not. I think he, I think it was kind of along the lines of they just stopped that it was manufactured, and so I think we were left to believe that it was uh, basically it, it it due to lack of proper uh, protocols. Uh, pro yeah, exactly. Security okay. stuff that it, it kind of have it escaped. It escaped the, the 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 virus escaped out of the lab. That's that's a very popular conspiracy theory. Uh, it's been uh, debunked actually, but. Oh. Of all the, th it's been debunked. But of all the conspiracy theories, that one, what do you think? I don't, I, I don't buy it. But no, nah, I mean, yeah, you know what? I, I don't either. But if if I was gonna if I was gonna give one of them traction, that one probably has enough real enough reality in it for me to go. Yeah, I, uh, I don't see it again. I don't. I I you know maybe it's just me not wanting to believe that human beings are. That evil, I know I'm not kind of stupid sometimes, but uh, no, I, I, I just don't go with the conspiracy thing. Um, I could, I mean, it'll, you know what? It'd make a great, um, it'll make a great uh, blockbuster movie, though. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, let's take a look at who well, you have. Danny DeVito could be the scientist. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that hasn't yeah. escaped. Um, yeah, and his brother Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He could be the he could be the Israeli uh, <laughs> lieutenant colonel that yeah. uh, debunks it. But I, no, no, I um, no, I don't. So I, I'm not buy, buying into that. No, go ahead, Ray. I mean, I'm just gonna say the, the the most likely one I think is that just is just it's not a conspiracy theory. But I'm just saying that to me, the most likely cause likely is that it's just related to human encroachment onto wild habitats and so these wild animals end up in like wet markets and 
It's just interspecies contamination. Not good. We're not supposed to be mingling with wild animals. Nothing can good can come out of that. And it's not like we haven't taken up enough of the uh, the world's wild, wild spaces. We keep doing it. And, hey, it's going to keep happening if we don't, uh, if we keep uh, encroaching on. Uh... I mean, it's not like uh, this is the first time, right? I mean, uh, isn't SARS or um, rumored Ebola, of, that's what we're going to do? Ebola, yeah, uh, bird flu, all from those particular environments, that kind of petri dish, as it were. It's culling the herd is a poor term to use, but it is it, it's uh, stripping out the weakest that we have. Um, that's the first wave, right? The new variant wave that's coming through. God help us on that, um, right? I think I've walked you through that scenario before. You got to look at a virus um, as an entity on this planet that is going to now challenge us as uh, humans as the dominant species on the planet, right? It's looking to do exactly what we'd want to do. It's looking at um, feeding oh, and propagating, yeah. right? It's, and it, it doesn't it, want to kill us either. It, when it get, gets inside a host, the virus doesn't actually want to kill you. It just wants to cohabitate. That's what it... Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, you know, when it when it, it's kind of like us on the planet, right? If we, yeah, if gotcha. we overtake yeah, too much, it's going to do us in. You know, if we kill the host, we kill ourselves, right? Yeah, good model. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but unfortunately, before the, the virus gets to that point where it can, which I guess is what it's done in the wilds, right? In the wilds, if it were in birds or it was in bats, it, would, it wouldn't wipe out the entire species. It would call off enough until it, it found a perfect environment inside a host. Balance, that's right. It, right? You'd have that balance. Um, yeah, I guess we better learn that lesson, El Pronto. So our host, uh, planet Earth, we don't do that to her, right? No, we can do that. Um, the wetlands, so, we, we've the wet markets we've talked about in the past, and I think it was I I get it. There's a, a cultural significance with various um, cultures on a planet, but uh, when you take a look at the plus and minuses, okay, the pluses are this, you know, there's. Uh, its culture's significance. Historically, we've always done this. We get this from it. But when you weigh that against a global pandemic, I think 10 out of 10 times, it's, uh, we, we got to shut this down. This has got to go away. You can't have this anymore, period. Right? It, like, what, what's, the, what's the casualty numbers globally on this thing? Right? I think they're, well, hit, they're going to hit 500,000 in the yeah. U.S., that's today, as of, yeah. as of this recording, I think they're at a half a million. There's another one that's kind of, it's not a, it, this one isn't floating around. It's kind of maybe been more in the conspiratorial sector of my head. So I wouldn't mm. say, I, I don't know if anybody, I'm sure other people are, have, have, have thought of this, but if I could find something that speaks to the positive out of, out of this COVID, it would have to be that had COVID not happened, Trump would have got reelected for sure. And bye-bye Paris Climate Agreement and the Biden Green Dream Team. Work from home, Zoom, Zoom meetings, online shopping, business travel, telemedicine, all kinds of changes in our way of doing things have changed permanently. The massive drop in travel and fuel has accelerated the shift away from oil. So existing trends were massively accelerated as a result of COVID in a positive way for the environment, by extension, our species. We, we talked about this before, but cities on the planet where people can actually walk around now and breathe the air, 
Um, yeah, you know, business parts people of, rejoice. There no we go. Flying right? across the country. That's, we, I yeah. just have to get on a plane to go to Toronto for like a, a day meeting and then come back. Yeah, that's a yeah, complete just, waste was, of yeah. It yeah, was just, brutal. Yeah, time, um, energy, efforts. Yeah, it's separation with family. A hundred percent on that. We found a different. We found workarounds. Um, definitely more effective. Let's hope you know def- more efficient. I'll agree with all of that, right? For sure. It's just a hell of a price to uh, to pay to get to accelerate the process. Because I don't, I don't think uh, anybody could really say we wouldn't have got there anyway. We would have. It's just we've accelerated that timeline now. We've you know, really accelerated. Yeah, and it's it's a it, from that aspect of the benefits to uh, the planet. Yeah, great. Great on the accelerator. The, the cost, the human oh, yeah. cost. Of course, millions yeah, that's of victims, a friends and oh, yeah. of course. You can't replace the loss of someone you love. Yeah. I mean, right? It's just not yeah. and decimated livelihoods and businesses. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so that's a price. To, uh, you know, we had to do it again. We, we do find another way. Where do you stand on uh, vaccine passports? So certain countries have, I believe, yeah, certain some countries just started imposing. You, you, you're not going to get in without a, you know, proof that you've been vaccinated. Now, I'm sure most people don't disagree with people coming into their country being vaccinated, right? I don't think anyone's going to be like, yeah, no, I should, okay. should, people should yeah. have a right. I, I don't think many people disagree with that. Now, what about when we take it to the street level? <laughs> and uh, do you, where, where, where do you, so you're running a restaurant, it's going to be hard to police. You're going to need bouncers maybe, who knows? But do you think uh, that should be a that should be a legit a business should have the right to be hey, you can't come into work without a vaccine passport or without a I want to see a stamp or you or know what if you refuse if you refuse to have a vaccine, I I why should you be allowed into this this restaurant or this bar or to this uh, or a club where it could be a super spreader event like. My stance on that right now, I, I think we're really looking at a, a very finite amount of time because eventually the herd the inoculation will kick in and it won't make any difference. And that just about wraps up the show for this week. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. See you next week. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you very much, Spencer, for joining us. Oh, thanks again, Ray. You have a great day. Thanks for all of my fans out there, you have great days also. <laughs> Talk soon. All right. Thank you.